we've been uh, looking at Ryan's room. We made him turn the camera around. So you are the learned one, right? You've, or did you just select this room to give that impression? Uh, yeah, about 90% of those are my wife's. <laughs> Stolen valor. <laughs> yeah. Exactly the same thing back here. That's the power of yeah. books. Although, what are those Simpson toys behind you? Or Those? Yeah. That's Seinfeld. Oh, even better. Yeah. My man. Yeah. Fuck friends up with Seinfeld forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good. See, we're among good company. Yes. All right, now stop boring everybody with my colorful chat about action <laughs> figures. No, it's great. I mean, I mean, are, are we going to carry that over with Greg's books right now? <laughs> well, I've got the no. action figures too. Cause oh, there we oh. go. See them right there. There it is. Oh, I like it. Oh, you got a lot of the McFarlane ones too. Yeah, I got a lot of those. The what is that jersey you have framed? Oh, that's from our first movie. Oh hell! <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, fuck which is Greg actually Ryan. an Easter egg, and it's it's in the background in Hunter Killer somewhere. Yeah. Good luck picking that out. Um, okay, where where do you want to go with this? Because you know me, I'm chaos. I'm all over the place, and I and I wrangle chaos. So all right, kick it off. Well, Greg Ryan, I'm glad y'all are here. Uh, your new film Hunter Killers out. What that came out on the fifth, correct? It's available uh, now. Yeah, it's available now. It came out last last month, I guess, on VOD. Perfect. Why and did you say that like you were conducting an audit? <laughs> came out on the fifth, right? All right, moving along. Because I got the paperwork here, and if it doesn't line up, right. there's going to be a follow up. Um, now before we started recording, I was berated by my two dads here, Randy and Clark, about my uh. My, I wanted to jump in because I'm looking at Ryan's room and he has Cemetery Man next to a Hunter Kill Her poster. And I felt instant connection. I feel my guard is now down. I'm completely vulnerable because <laughs> these, the clash of those two films, foreign art house film, Cemetery Man, I dare say Randy may even enjoy. Next to Hunter Killer, which is a um, straightforward slasher that, I've I've been looking at Letterbox and only slasher fans are getting it. Y'all, you you put some new life into slasher tropes. You gave us a bunch of chase scenes, which we don't get anymore. You're also kind of on the the post scream slasher tip. Like we're not doing anything supernatural here. That's not really a spoiler, but it still feels very genre forward. So I don't know. I'm excited to talk to y'all. And now that you both have shelves of action figures, I feel even better about it. As I just moved all mine below the stairs at our house. Yeah. And it's kind of like my... Uh, Where the people are. My treasure, my buried tomb. <laughs> I actually, I was on a Discord call, a video one, and I brought them down under the stairs. And everybody was kind of both horrified and mystified. <laughs> you have a question for our guest or anything like that? Awesome. Just no, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, hi. How are you all doing? <laughs> Good. How are you? Well, okay. Honestly, I'm a little stressed because right before you got in here, we had an internet hiccup and God, it's been the bane of my existence. But um, yeah, everything I said about Hunter Killer, I, I mean, I think y'all did a good job. So I'm a big slasher fan. Clark isn't, but we both enjoyed your film. We watched it together. We do live together too. I like to just. And I love that you bring that up every love, single week. I think it really gives insight into our complicated relationship. <laughs> Probably does. And the thing is, I, I knew while watching it, I'm like, y'all made a movie for me. 
Yet there's something a little bit different going on here. Um, I mentioned post stream slasher earlier. Usually those are kind of light on gore, heavy on chase and character. Yet your film kind of navigates almost a um, minimalist vibe. Yet you have a giant location that feels like probably one of the uh, most important characters of the film. And the giant warehouse. Yeah, the warehouse. So let's start here. I have a question. Where, what exactly did they produce in this warehouse? Because it looked like they made everything, every possible, uh, you know, Rube Goldberg trap you could want is there. You have utility out the wazoo. So how did you find that location? And what exactly did they manufacture at this warehouse? Um, it is furniture parts, <laughs> table and chair legs. Mostly. Um, that's that's the main thing they make, um, and it's my family's. So that's where we. Oh. So we kind of we kind of grew up around it, and we had tried to make other little things in there before. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's an awesome location. So it was like, not much pro, uh, production design had to go into fixing up the scenes. A lot of times, that's all real sawdust. Every scene. Beautiful. And, yeah, and the the factory, of course, it's been around for forty, fifty years or something like that, and so it and the, it just had accumulated stuff all that time, different pieces of equipment, machinery, and then you know the products they make, all the extras and all that stuff, just was sort of squirreled away here and there, and so it looked um, like it's in a big industrial park, and when you drive by some of the other places, if they have like bay doors open, you can see in, and they're very clean and immaculate, and um, just basically wouldn't be didn't have the character that this factory had. This one just had an incredible amount of character, um, which we tried to tap in a lot, you know, tap into for, for our film, but, um, it basically came ready made for a horror movie. So we were like, all right, we gotta, we gotta do something in here. It was perfect because, uh, well, uh, interesting side trivia is that all, all three of us, Russell, myself and Randy all met at a warehouse. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, warehousing is, is a core part of our foundation (laughs) of our relationship. But, um, you know, it's. I think that that location was perfect because yes, it was a you know a, lar- a large warehouse, but it didn't come across as you know any sort of you know sterile. It felt very real. It didn't feel like a set of a warehouse. It felt we're in we're in a we're in a real place here, and just that on authenticity played to everything, and then the characters. Um, and I will say. Um, as, as Russell said that you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest slasher fan and, and that's correct. Uh, but what I do like is characters and my favorite character, uh, in your film was only there at the beginning. Uh, you know, and I, here's my question. I would, I just want to know, um, in your own world, do you guys think, um, that I'm referring to the janitor, um, the, who works the day shift, Glenn, Glenn, thank yeah. you. And, uh, you know, Glenn is trying to, you know, a, a very hastily onboarding process, I may say, uh, for his night shift employee. Um, do you think he made it in time to the bowling alley for half price wings? Because I would like to think that he did. Yeah, I think he eked in. So. He got a, he got a basket <laughs> yeah. before it was over. Hundred percent. He had to get there on time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where did where well, did you I find mean, that made, guy? Um. Well, actually, we. Uh, he, that was one of the roles. It was kind of challenging to cast. We had someone in it and then they pulled out the last minute and we kind of went to a friend and for recommendations and she 
pointed us to uh, Larry Bunton, who played Glenn. Um, and really, Greg and I uh, work our day job together. And so we asked him if he could come see us and just read the part real quick with us. And and so he read it and nailed it, you know, what we were looking for. So he shot, basically came in one Saturday and shot all of his scenes in one day. I mean, we just did like eight, ten scenes in one day um, and just knocked it out. But uh, no, he did he did really well. And, and Natalie, our lead, she had a really good time working with him too because she, she spent a lot of time by herself on, you know, as the only cast member uh, filming. So she really enjoyed working with other cast members on the days where we actually had other people in with her. So it was a, it was a fun day, big day, but fun day. And Larry did show up to read his part in a bowling shirt. Well, <laughs> it was semi bowling. He didn't know if it was enough. He's like, is this bowling enough? We're like, it's okay. We'll have costume party. <laughs> but he was trying to look yeah. the part when he came in and read. So. Yeah. yeah he kind great. of, um, Okay, I don't know. Are we going to spoil this movie at all? I just no. want to get that up right away. Okay. No. Uh, Larry, that actor, I was shocked to see that this is his only credit. Because, man, he's got potential to be a cool character actor. Something about him, man. I just wanted him on screen more. And yeah. uh, so he came his, from that, a... Fr- that hair works well on camera. Yeah, The hair's very good. Is he an aspiring actor? Or was this kind of like a friend's like, hey... You want to try? Well, he something? does a lot of local theater, so he's done lots of acting. It's just uh, theater from around the area, so um, so we could go yeah. see Larry do Shakespeare. It's possible, <laughs> yes, possibly. Yeah. So, where where, where, yeah. Was, where did you guys film? Uh, sorry, one last note on Larry. We actually yeah. made a lot of jokes about like a post-credit scene if he came in the next morning, like what his thoughts would be on how. Karen did on her first night on the job, so to speak. <laughs> like she may have left it a bit more messier than she found it. Not, not a lot of cleaning going on there, but anyway, so. Oh, and hold on before we get off that. I, I think it's important. You mentioned that you guys work a day job together. Yes. Yeah. Can you mention, can you say where, or like what kind of job? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I do video production photography for like, uh, for a community college here. And then, uh, Greg also works at the college and does uh, more of like the classroom technology side of things. But. Wow. Okay. I was sure I was really hoping it was like KFC or something like, <laughs> yeah. I, no, because your movie, you really got, you like captured that like blue collar experience. And there's something about Karen showing up and we, we see her sitting next to the clock in machine. It's a, it's a manual one too. And she's just sitting there. And I don't know, I've worked a lot of jobs like that. and it's kind of this ugly experience where, you know, you're, you're in the hands of a dude who's also an employee. He's not like the owner or anything. And then you get Glenn who's trying to make his half wings, you know, he's trying to get this book and he really doesn't appreciate that. Like you're the conduit into this new thing. That's going to take over a majority of your life. And you're just like, damn dude, Glenn, I feel like you hate this place and you're the only person I've talked to here. And then you're leaving me alone. And there's something about like his character plays such an important role here. And I thought y'all would appreciate it, but clearly not as you're both working at colleges and rolling in dough. Well, I did. uh, (laughs) I did. I worked at that factory when I was in, when I was going to college, it was one of my, uh, you know, part-time jobs. So I have, didn't do exactly what Karen does, but I did 
sweep and, you know, was sort of the gopher and that kind of stuff. So I had some experience with some of Karen's job duties. Um, so, and, and we understood very much the world that exists inside kind of those factories and, or at least that factory in particular. Um, and really the, the kind of blue collar world, uh, where we live in East Tennessee. So it was, we tried to make it as authentic as we could. Of course, it's a, it's a slasher movie. So, um, now, okay. When we started now, who, who picked up your film? Who's distributing it? Uh, welcome villain films. Welcome villain. Now, did they pick up Oksana? What I'm messing Malum. up some, they picked up Malum, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now, they actually made Malum. Yeah. Okay. Now, did they fund your movie or did you guys make it and sell it to them? No, we, we shot it on our own. It was sort of a nights and weekends type deal. We shot it for, you know, almost no money whatsoever. Um, and just sort of begged, borrowed and stealed all the stuff we need. And then shot evenings and weekends and took us like seven months to shoot it. And then the next year or so to do post-production, um, doing a lot of the sound design and stuff like that. And then we eventually did our world premiere at Chattanooga film festival. And that's where welcome villain, uh, found us essentially, uh, last year and picked it up, um, right after that. So now at that time, what was your movie called? Uh, when it premiered and during production and when it premiered, it was called night shift, um, which there's a lot of competition in the title of night shift. Uh, we discovered after our world premiere, just how many other night shifts are out there. Yeah. Um, and it's something we had kind of, you know, we'd always wanted to change it. And that was uh welcome villain kind of came when we were talking to them before we signed on, they asked us like three questions. One, can we change the title of the film? And we were like, yes, please. Well, let's, <laughs> let's do that. And then, uh two you know they wanted to do a new color grade on it because we had done a color grade but they wanted to send it through a, a professional colorist and that's fine i mean that's a specialty job and absolutely yeah let's do that and then they also sent it through a sound mixer and they remixed it and did a 5.1 mix and all that kind of stuff so um all all those things are absolutely hoped we could have done before it came out publicly and they were all you know so we we're obviously in the same page there with them and so we we signed on and um they suggested they actually suggested the uh, hunter killer t- title and we thought that fit the tone and the feeling of the movie and kind of the, the aggression that we hoped to capture in that. And so we, we went with that and uh, been really happy with all that so far. Now, Greg, you're um, you're credited as the writer. Did you, you wrote this alone? No Ryan involved at all. Um, <laughs> usually it's me writing pages and then sending them to him and see what he says. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the only one typing, uh, okay. but we, we, pa- we no. passed ideas back and forth off each other. And what's your um, word per minute, bro? Uh, I don't know anymore. It better be triple digits, <laughs> dude. <laughs> oh, that's taking me it's back. It's not about speed. It's about, yeah, it's about, there quality. you go. Ryan gets it. Now, yeah. and I know I asked a, that very rude, uh, phrased question. Because I'm curious how you felt about the title change to Hunter Kill Her. Um, well, I knew Night Shift, you know, was out there and used quite a bit. Um, so I didn't mind the change. Um, it was more of, uh, but I didn't have another title in my head. So it's like that thing of like, well, I've always called it this. So I'm going to have to have like Hunter somebody. Biden. <laughs> 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 again now i ask because i hunter kill her almost like implies something 
narratively. And I know when, when you watch the movie, it it's a cool title, but it, I'm like, it feels like a title that came in after because it almost gives like, see, I'm tiptoeing here because I don't want to like, we're not getting into spoiler territory. And by the end of the film, when you look back at Hunter kill her, I almost feel like it's, it's, it's implying a motivation that I don't think is correct. Maybe is that, I don't know, Greg, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. it almost like, I like the title, but it's almost like video game. Like it feels kind of video gamey, like um, yeah. an impersonal killing, which is actually what I think is, you know, the complete opposite of the well, actual it's script. a command. Well, it almost feels more like a, uh, like an MO. Like we're here, like it's almost like I imagine um, a, like a military unit. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and they're kind of like pumping themselves up like we're here to hunt or kill her. Like it's almost like impersonal video game uh, dehumanizing. Is that how it was when you were a Navy SEAL? <laughs> Every time I played, you, when I pointed my BB gun at you that one time, you got very angry. Yes. I was thinking hunt and kill him. Because you have no, these gentlemen are from East Tennessee. I'm sure they were raised with proper gun that safety that you were not. Well, I'm from the Bay Area, California. So the fact that I own a BB gun, there's going to be a mob outside the house later today. That means you're going to rob a Walgreens. What? No, and okay, I just, I had to ask you that, Greg, because it's one of those um, unique situations that indie horror films always get put in. Like, this title is going to get people to watch the movie. But it also yeah. is kind of a false implication. Yeah, I can, I can see, I can see what you're saying. Yes, um, and you know, the thing is, yeah. your film, the craft. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just I mean, the, yeah. Of course, Welcome Villain. When they came in, they were thinking. I mean, this is where marketing meets storytelling type thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what's going to get people's attention, especially with a film like ours, since it doesn't have known actors. You know, we're Greg and I aren't famous in any way. We don't have a, a following. So it's like, you know, we have to grab people's attention, cut through the noise in some way. And so um, I did like the title on that. The, the feedback we got from it was people were like, oh, what, what is that? So, um, so yeah, really? I mean, I, I get what you're saying yeah. totally. It's, yeah. it's um, marketing versus, I mean, yeah, it's a big, it's for marketing essentially. And, but anyway well there's also another thing where it kind of tonally clashes now i know this is kind of again i'm in the weeds here i think too much about these kind of movies and the tonier movie is almost like um indie slice of life that uh you know ended up in a horror movie and the way that it's shot man oh man an indie film in a family-owned warehouse sounds like a ton of films that i've watched and completely forgotten yet you guys, you film this thing beautifully. Like, I can't tell how big it is. And normally in a movie where we're in a warehouse that kind of, we don't get much exterior. Like, I don't think there's really any of the building. I, I usually get kind of um, annoyed with that because I'd like to know where we are. If we're in the middle of a city, that's very different from the middle of like um, I-5 out here in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And we do get a little, a couple shots of like a van. And I got the impression that we're out in the middle of nowhere. But the cinematography here is fantastic. So did you guys storyboard this whole movie? Um, we did storyboard a few scenes, like some of the chase scenes. and um, But for the most part, I mean, Greg and I have been working on movie projects and uh, for 20 plus years. So we, we have a really good 
working relationship and understand each other really well. So, um, so really what we did is sort of, um, we, we had some stuff planned out when we started, but then we also knew we'd be shooting nights and weekends. We'd have time in between shoot days, um, to, to continue planning, if that makes sense. Uh, so like on our off days, we'd go to the factory and actually plan out scenes like, okay, we'll shoot this here. And, and, and we just really note it in the script, be like medium shot, low, you know, wide shot, close up. Um, and then just as we shot it and like 99% of the, well, I'll say 85% of the film is handheld. So uh, it was really easy to just sort of dial in that, those shots, you know, when we had the basic idea of what we wanted to do and, and kind of a shot list, and then we just tweak it as we went. All right. Well, Ryan, uh, your gimbal action is fantastic, dude. I, you know, when you're talking right there, I had to look it up. I'm like, did you shoot this fucking movie? Hey, you did great, dude. Oh, that- thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, Greg and I collaborated on the lighting and I was more, it's kind of like how we collaborate on the script and Greg does the typing. We collaborate on the, on the lighting. Um, and I set it all, you know, set it all up. When I say Greg does the typing, he also invented the whole freaking thing. I'm not trying to take away from that, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's kind of the, the ex- execution of it, you know, yeah, I handled most of that, but, um, but it was a, you know, it was a shared vision between us and I'm not hey. trying to take credit for everything. Now, the reason I asked Greg only about the title is because we've been doing the show for a long time. And in the beginning, I thought like, you know, the director, the manager, the, uh, the helm of creativity was the one I was mostly interested in. But then a lot of the time I would talk to directors about like story and I'm like, I feel like I've paid more attention to your script than you did. So, Greg, don't worry. You get props here because I think at the end of the day, what I was trying to articulate with the um, cinematography in the warehouse is there's a few parts in this movie where, like, it feels like we're in a corner that is distinct from the rest of the warehouse. And I know that kind of film language can be completely lost in an indie production, especially if you're kind of like discovering what you want to do in the moment. Yet it felt like it was completely continuous. The continuity made sense for doing this like labyrinthian warehouse kind of romp. At no point did it ever feel like we were teleporting, which I, I'm not even talking about killers. I mean, with our protagonist. And um, yeah, I just I had to give you props there. I mean, from the opening shot, I think if you if you didn't open this shot with that kind of um, I'm assuming it was a gimbal and you were mm-hmm. like walking back through the warehouse which we were, well, we were actually on a dolly and Greg was pulling the oh, dolly shit. and, but I did, I was, had a gimbal on the dolly to just make it as smooth as possible kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Greg, Greg was pulling the dolly and, and that one, of course the lights go off as we go. Um, and so we had, and the lights are all operated by breakers. So we like numbered the breakers and then we had two other people, um, manning the breaker boxes. And I, as we went, I would just call out, you know, numbered them one through 12 or something like that. And I just call out the number and they flip it. And we did probably five takes and it is a true one it is not stitched together in any way. So you beat me to it on all those one. When I just rewatched it, I'm like, I don't think there's any hidden stitching in here because you can even see like a faint light in the background that like, you know, I mean, on the projector we were watching on, it felt like a couple pixels, but I was tracking it. I'm like, I don't think there's a cut. And the other is as somebody who worked at a framing store, and uh, when I came in as the lead, one of my major, I don't know why they did this, this job, they should not have been asking me, but they're like, oh, do you see any ways we could cut cost? And I'm like, I'm a fucking team lead. Like, it's, uh, my manager was, he was a dick. 
Um, yeah, shout out to him. So, but All my salient first, information. <laughs> my first, no, but at night, again, you might remember this, Aaron Brothers. It lit up like a goddamn light bulb in the night because they didn't turn off anything. And I remember, I was like, why don't you turn off the fucking lights when we close? And they're like, oh, well, you know, it's only on breakers. It's not like really something we can do. I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it. And I'm like, so when I was watching your thing, I'm like, no way. Did they have light switches? And uh, yeah, no, you answered that. How many breakers were you flipping? Uh, it was 10 or 15, between 10 yeah, and 15. I don't remember exactly. And they're in different, and actually, they're in different spots. So there's two people <laughs> yeah. running, there's two people running around in the shadows in the background that are hitting them. Dude, yeah. that's and Greg hit, Yeah, Greg hit one oh, yeah. as he was walking, as he was going by it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Hey, it was, a, it was a coordinated effort. I only it ran into on. something once. <laughs> yeah. So the first take, once. first take, I didn't get around the corner quick enough and knocked Ryan off the dolly. So, <laughs> which wasn't, that happened wasn't more the than only once, time that so. happened. Yeah. <laughs> so did y'all rent a dolly or is dolly code work for, for like pallet Jack? <laughs> uh, we may, no, we had a, it was an actual like doorway dolly, like an actual filming dolly. Um, and we may or may not have borrowed that from work. I'm not going to. Oh, fuck yeah. I want to tell you right now, you can make it work with a pallet jack. I know. And, and no shame. I was yeah. like, if y'all did this with the pallet jack, you could even go up and down. Like, 100%. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, again, like Clark, not the hugest uh, slasher fan, but I feel like that opening shot got you. That was great. You're like, hey, there's something here. That's great. I think we literally both said that. We're like, hey, this is kind of an interesting shot for like a, a screener slasher movie we're getting. Yeah, yeah we, I don't know. I'd... Um, we we that was actually Greg's idea uh, to do that shot, and we we brainstormed a few different things, but we did want to kind of open it with a something that was sort of attention getting, um, not not in a flashy way, but just something where it was like, oh, this is okay. There's a little maybe a little more to this. So, uh, hey, congratulations! Glad you, glad you I, I think fucking a standout opener. So did y'all grow up together? I, we did. Yep. Yep. Russell, I don't, I don't know if we grew up together. I don't think we're, I don't think we'd be here today. (laughs) That's a fact. No, it wouldn't. It depends. (laughs) I don't know if I could have survived your heroin phase, but hey, Randy, I got when I was a female protagonist. (laughs) Thank you, Randy. Can you chime in here? Turn on your camera for a moment if you're still there. I am. I got a French New Wave question for you. Is it inner titles or intertitles? Interstitials? I don't know what you're what you're asking for. Oh my god! I'm Failure about on every four, level. Four hundred blows. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's you know when you have a um, like a title card. Yeah, no, but it's not because in the French New Wave thing, they did it with like street signs or no. Inter- Randy, god damn it! Now here's the thing, Randy. Leave this in the cup, please. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Please leave it. No, Greg. <laughs> I had a question for you because we open up in the beginning of the movie with the uh, danger sign. With that, with that, it almost felt not real where there's like the pinky and the ring finger are cut off and just says danger on a human hand. And we pull out. And then when we're hanging out with uh, Glenn, our favorite opening actor, there's a frame in there that I had to ask you normally, you know, I'm, I'm the king of interpreting art. This is why we do this podcast. Uh, I talk for hours on the meaning of mirrors and in horror film. You talk for hours. <laughs> and there's there's a frame where uh we have Karen and we have Glenn. Glenn's on the right 
and she's removing the stain from his uh, bowling shirt. But on the left, there's an out of order sign on the fridge and it's so prominent. And I watched the movie twice now and I could not discern what subliminal message you were giving me there. Well, it's a coffee machine. And so there is a little coffee maker that he mentions. Um, I think that might've gotten cut part, part of that got cut out, but it was sitting on the counter there. So we were like, wait a second, we can't have a coffee vending machine here in this for the later scenes. We need to put this out of order. So it was just (laughs) something that's actually there. Yeah. And it was like, wait a second. That'll be in the background. You'll notice, like, well, why can't she just get it from? Because there's another one that she does get in the uh, um, in the movie, and that's at the old um, break room. And this, the scene where she's doing the stain is in the new break room. It's a little cleaner and a little more feral looking. And so we wanted to shoot that other one because it was it's been there as long as we can remember. And yeah, the, so when the movie came out, like five. Last year at Chattanooga Film Festival was actually 10 minutes longer and included some discussion around the coffee. And that got nixed uh, before the theatrical yeah. release. So Glenn was talking about so you, the So you caught a continuity error is what you caught there. So, oh. well, I don't know if it's continuity error. It's just we yeah, knew really. you would see it. So we were like, put it. And we ha- we kept that sign. You know, that would stay in the room that we had in the back that we would put all our props and costumes in at the end of every night and had that sign there like, Oh, 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 oh we're going to the break room. We got to get that. Yeah. Every time so, we went to the break room, we had to re out of order the machine. So for continuity <laughs> purposes. Yeah. So. so when, when you were filming the, the, the warehouse, the factory is operational, correct? So you guys are doing like off hours. Is that yeah. That they, they'd run a day shift and we'd come in like at five o'clock and shoot till midnight or, shoot on weekends when they're not running but yeah gotcha. yeah the owner basically said you know they ran a day shift but he was like outside of that you guys do whatever you want just don't uh just be aware that stuff may move around during the day like just the way stuff you know the the product would look in the factory but didn't didn't wasn't an issue and we actually broke uh we did break a toilet in the bathroom fight scene um unfortunately it didn't make it on camera because they were just rehearsing and the guy like Oh. you know crashed against it and then all of a sudden the bottom of the bowl like snapped and all the water came pouring out and and he was like trying to hold it in with his hands and i was just like dude that's not gonna do it. you know so i just turned <laughs> off the the water source was like busted and the yeah. owner of the factory replaced it didn't even charge us oh that's rad well okay yeah. I, I had to bring up that out of order because i as an audience member i uh spent a lot of time thinking about it and what it might have meant And it really comes across now as kind of a red herring. Like she's in there and the dude who's introducing her to her new work is um, she's like kind of mommying him. Also, happy Mother's Day, the day we're recording. And it it almost feels like um, like the first warning, like, hey, (laughs) this isn't a place that you want to work. But it seemed like such a like innocent moment that uh, it kind of usher in uh, one of uh, my nightmare scenarios starting a new job is that you get some local bullies and we were just talking about the bathroom and uh, man, that felt like a very real moment where, you know, maybe she knew them or they knew her, but they're just like immediately rude. It's almost like high school. Like you don't belong at this table sure. kind of, I don't, was that inspired by any real interaction y'all have had? 
No, it was uh, just kind of almost more for the environment we needed for her to be in, where it seemed like everything's against her. Um, yeah. So I'm sure. I'm sure. At some um, level, there was there was some subconscious like, oh, I've seen this happen. Um, at high school bathrooms, but it wasn't like specifically like I wasn't calling something back from my past. I was like, oh yeah, this. Well, you captured it for never living through it. I uh, I saw some <laughs> weird stuff in some high school bathrooms. <laughs> ours, did, ours didn't have uh, stall doors. Oh. Wait, what? No. <laughs> there were no oh, stall doors. Hard. I know. So, yeah. I, I, there was, I, I, uh, I'm originally from Mississippi and uh, went to a small high school and we played other small high schools in sports. And uh, we there was one place, and I'll, I'll name them, Manchester Academy in Ooh. Yazoo City. Ooh, I, Yazoo. Hope, <laughs> I hope that they have replaced uh, their field house uh, equipment because it was it was four toilets in a row just next to each other. Oh, I mean, we could hold hands and shit if we wanted to. <laughs> it's hard. That's fucked. <laughs> it was weird. You know, that might be worse than the trough. I'm not a trough. I fan. like the yeah. trough. I got no problem with the trough. Of course you do. It's kitschy. It's fun. Not true. <laughs> and then always, when you have the trough, you, you and also, we're, this is basically mainly like, uh, stadium bathrooms where you still have the trough. Yeah. And then you, and then you've got the hand washing thing where you have to press the thing at the feet and then the streams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Circle, yeah. I had a middle school at the trough. You like the trough. Gross. They're foul. I don't know. You don't, you don't need it. The no it's door. Tough on age have to deal with the trough too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> trough is not fun. I'm not pro trough. It's fun to say. You've said it like five I times know, in 30 I seconds. Know. What the God, I had a real question for them and that you derailed me there. Well, I want to go back to to the you know um you know them growing up together and so how how did you guys start making movies together? Um well I was going to make this is before Hollywood had done it, make my own version of Mortal Kombat. Mm. And okay. so a friend of mine, I was like, Yeah, do you want to be in it? And he was me and Ryan kind of knew each other, but we weren't like buds yet. And so he was like, yeah. And, uh, my friend Ryan wants to do it. And it was like, Oh yeah, I know him. But I was going, okay, cool. And then we didn't, we shot a lot of it, but we never finished it. Um, cause then it's like, we started seeing trailers for the, so it was like right before it was like, like it would have mattered, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like our dream was crushed now, but <laughs> it, was, it was sort of like, uh, we just kind of went on with other, you know, back then, you know, we'd come up with some project and this is when we were in high school. And so, um, we'd come up with something else and then work on that. And then Ryan would keep coming over like, yeah, I'll help you with this and help you with this. I was like, suddenly realized, well, this guy's really into making movies. Whereas a lot of my other friends were almost like, sometimes they tolerate my movie making passion. Like, yeah, okay. Oh yeah. I'll be a part of it. You know, they liked, you know, being in the movies and stuff, but then there'd be times like, okay, I'm trying to create something. Yeah. And Brian was only coming and got it a lot of times. Um, or didn't want to go off and do something else. And so 
yeah, we just kind of, and we, so we kept working on stuff and then through college and then, um, got a little farmhouse together where we thought that was like idea central and we made our first one and then moved out separately. Uh, <laughs> and then proceeded to fail for the next 15 years and then, here we are. Yeah. and then finally realized we should have made one in that factory that we've had access to all these years. And so now here we are. Yeah. So when did you guys, um, let's talk about your movie taste. Do you guys sort of, um, you know, fall in line a lot or, you know, or, or, you know, Ryan, you're bringing one thing to the table, Greg, you're kind of, you know, completing that circle. Ooh, I had to work pretty close. Um, we, I don't know. How would you answer this, Ryan? I think we're pretty um, Well, Greg, Greg loves action movies more than anything, oh, I think. Yes. And I, I like, I mean, I like horror movies a lot. And I like a lot of various others, you know, I do like some action movies and stuff, but I don't love them as much as Greg does. And so, yeah, I think Greg sort of brings a, a sort of an action movie sensibility to, um, to horror. Uh, and so, I mean, if you look at Hunter Killer, I mean, it is, there's a lot of action in it, uh, especially for the Thank budget you. level that we have. Um, I don't think people would expect as much action as we have in ours. Uh, and Natalie did all the stunts herself and all, you know, we just wow. made sure she was safe and she just did them. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I like, yeah, I, I guess with like horror and stuff, I say pretty classic. I mean, I was complimenting your Texas Chainsaw Massacre poster. I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one. Um, like, you know, a lot of the John Carpenter movies, the thing, you know, Halloween's obviously excellent, but I think I love the thing a little bit more. And then Sam Raimi inspires us a lot, which the original evil dead was made in Morristown, Tennessee, where Greg and I grew up. So it was like the cabins, like a mile from the, my parents' house. So, um, oh, hell yeah. which fun fact, the brick that's in, um, hunter killer that she uses to prop open the door and then comes into play a little bit later. Uh, that brick is from the original evil dead cabin. When we were in oh, college, we, uh, yeah, paid a little visit to the site and walked away with a few souvenirs, including that brick. <laughs> so we had to, uh, had to incorporate it once we realized, Oh, there's a brick in this movie. Hey, we should, you know, Greg was like, I got the brick. Hang on. And so a little nod to our heritage there. That's great. And the gag, the gag in, in the movie is perfect as well. So I think uh, you gave the brick the proper treatment. <laughs> now me, I thought it was going to be Chekhov's brick. Yeah, of course. You so can. I was waiting for it to come back. And also I was thinking about like Castaway. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Would it have played better if we never opened the package? But Castaway. Yeah, remember? He has like one package and that's like his whole okay. thing. Okay, about- as soon as you say Castaway, I'm thinking... Wilson. Okay, no. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't care about Wilson. You know, back in the day of DVDs, there was an Easter egg that uh, cut to a Comic-Con interview he did where he talked about the package and what was inside. It is the fucking lamest story I'm ever. sure it is. <laughs> a brick from the cabin of Evil Dead is much better. It's way better. Yeah. It also explains why nobody got hit with it. Because I was, oh, like, yeah, it was, a, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, you don't want to break that fucking brick. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, and it's a real brick too. I mean, it's like one of the fireplace <laughs> bricks, I think. So it's, it's yeah. got some heft to it. Well, it's funny that you're mentioning um, Greg being an action guy because uh, one of our other buddies here at the Overlook, Terrell, me and him, we love slasher films and we love post scream ones. 
And the thing that, um, I mean, you get two things from Scream. You get the like death of a supernatural killer. Like everybody just went for the whodunit route. And then you would get a lot of chase scenes, which kind of like, it really changed it. Like Scream, they're full of like action. And then, you know, you kind of lose a little bit in the gore department, but it's fine. It's like a different thing. And we'd get like no chase screens scenes anymore. Like Scream coming back has kind of, you know, put some life into that department. But your movie, I was shocked because I don't think people appreciate how hard it is to get an actor to do a stunt, like something in real life, like maybe falling down. Like, dude, you could ruin your whole shoot. Like if, if they fall wrong and twist yeah. an ankle or something, you're done. But, you know, you could do a an arm prosthetic and it, it might just cost some money, but it's way safer. Yeah. So I don't. Hey, thank you for putting all the chase scenes in there. Like and that bathroom scene gets pretty intense, too. So I don't also. OK, there's a question coming. Yeah. Thank so, you. so Natalie, she's great in this movie. Um, <laughs> You gave her the burden of uh, helming a character named Karen. Was that on purpose, Greg? No. Um, it shows my <laughs> my uh, literacy to memes because I didn't know it until later. I just named her that. And then uh, I think it was one of the actors like, oh, is she like? And it was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, like that. And I was like, oh, well, it's too late to change it now. But she's got it on her shirt. <laughs> but... <laughs> Some people said we were taking the name back, so. Well, and I just considered it one more thing that had gone wrong wrong in Karen's <laughs> life. Like her name now, it's even a meme. Like she can't catch a break, so who knows? No, honestly, I, you know, as an audience member, you kind of have to come to terms with that immediately. You're like, wait, she's the protagonist and they, they gave her Karen? Which there are people alive still who are great people named Karen. Yes. And yes. it's unfortunate, but what the fuck are you going to do? And uh, you're right. I came to that conclusion, too. Like, oh, this girl has not had a break ever. Like, ever. Like, but it is it's an interesting thing to wrangle with as the as an audience member, because you kind of start off like, oh, is she going to be a bitch? (laughs) Well, she's called bitch about 100 times in the movie. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So where where did um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the killer killers and their dialogue. Now it it kind of had a little bit of an improv vibe, but were you guys writing for them? Um, actually, in the script, there was probably they had I don't know eight lines amongst them, um, and it was kind of like when she would be close to them and she'd hear a little bit of their conversation, like when they'd talk about like oh we we've got this covered or you know where could she be? So, um, like when she's hiding under the table and um, yeah, that that conversation that was in the script. A lot of the other, once we got the movie shot and edited and we're like, I feel like we need like to hear them a little bit. And so we ended up just writing a bunch of like just dialogue and then the actors came in, they did ADR for it and they would kind of make up their own thing. We put it in there and then it was like, oh, this is too much. This is like, I hear them all the time. This isn't. So we kind of went back to like the, we just want to hear like them in the distance not really always make out what they're saying um for that like close proximity like you're not really safe because i can tell the person's just you know three aisles over but i'm safe enough so a lot of that yes is a little bit improv a little bit um 
yeah, just coming up with some things that weren't original. Yes. Now, and some of it, I think you can hear a little bit better than we originally had. Um, it's not quite as muffled. How do you feel about it now, Greg? I feel like you're kind of like, do you like it or were you kind well, of like, no, oh, there's, there's just a few, there's a few lines. I think you can kind of hear a little better than I think it's like, Oh, I don't know. If really wanted to hear that. Like <laughs> well, there's something the- about the, go check the breaker box down there. And it was like, originally that's what we said, but it didn't, it was like, it just, it was just dialogue just to get muffled. And sometimes, yeah, you can, when, when a professional sound person comes in and does it, they can make things sound a lot better. And sometimes things come more clearer. And hey, Christopher was, Nolan doesn't care if no one can understand dialogue in his movies. So, hey. <laughs> so, so it wasn't meant to, some of it wasn't meant to hear. You're just words, you know? And of course, yeah, they kind of would repeat the same line sometimes. And so that's why. Sometimes you just hear me on bitch a lot because <laughs> they're, not, they're not the most clever. But they're <laughs> it, it was but, appropriate. You know, here's yeah. the thing with, with postmodernism, you know, the audience gets to decide after the fact, like whatever you guys wanted to do, it, it may not line up with what actually happened. And I remember having fun when we first watched it. Cause it reminded me a lot of um, manhunt. Are you guys familiar with the game? The video game. Yep. Yeah. I actually Which, have a copy over here. Okay, yeah. And I, I believe there's even a plastic bag that makes an appearance in here, too. Yeah. Yes. Which was like the staple of that game on the first level. Um, and, oh, man, I'm like, I'm tiptoe. I don't care. The plastic, thank you for having her just tear the mouth out of that plastic bag. <laughs> there's so many horror movies where you're like, wait, you're going to die? Like, you didn't think about putting a finger in the fucking the Lucky's bag or where I don't know, Safeway, like, yeah. come on. So thank you. I'm, I'm glad that we're in an era where slasher protagonists um, have a little bit of a brain in there and can make like quick, obvious decision make. Yeah. But um, yeah, with the killers, I, while I was watching it, I kept thinking it felt almost like production had come in and done ADR in a way, like some people's dialogue was like very clear. So I know what you're talking about, Greg. I believe the first bathroom scene feels kind of like that when they come in. Our, uh, the two dudes in there are like, they feel so clear. They're cool guys. And um, did you guys have any problems on set, like recording, that uh, prompted the ADR? Or was that always planned? Um, no. no. Oh, oh Ryan, you go ahead. <laughs> you got it. All right. I'll take this one. Um, no, we... So we actually recorded very little sound on set. It was only the dialogue scenes and even some of like the stuff you can hear, like Karen says when she's sort of talking stuff out um, that was just added later. Like we had no intention. We didn't record it at all. Like when she's following someone around and uh, at the beginning or she thinks she sees somebody and there's like a, Hey, you know, we didn't even, we just added that later. Um, so there's some of that stuff. And then, and it was really just sort of a lack of crew to, to be able to do that. Um, but Anyway, but yeah, a lot of that stuff was added later. And actually, for the the bathroom scene um, with the two guys uh, that kind of confront her. So there's, if you notice on the credits for those characters, there's actually two names. One is the, the person that played them on screen, and the other one actually did the voice. So um, when we got the final film done, uh, we sent it out for review, and some some of the feedback we got was like, might need to, you know. You could probably push those guys a little bit more, make them a little more um, sort of tough, big 
big sounding. And so we ended up doing voice casting and sort of revoicing a few of the the parts here and there and including those two guys. So that may contribute to why it sounds like that. Um, of course, I think our uh, Sean Duffy, the sound mixer, which I thought he did a phenomenal job and they actually beefed up a lot of the sound design and sound effects from what we had done. Um, but obviously he knows what he's doing with the, the dialogue. So it just, you know, he made it super sharp and clean. It's right there. So, God, why do I feel like that would be my fate if I was ever an actor? <laughs> They're like, you look like a goon, but you sound like a cartoon duck. So we had to bring in a guy from outside <laughs> to, to do a VO. Did, did you talk to any of those actors after? Were they kind of like, oh, dude, I wasn't like tough enough? No. Uh, so Trevor Tucker, he um, he played Mickey in the film. Um, and yeah, he didn't. He, he loved it. So um yeah, I think they were cool with it. I mean, I think it just comes to the, the the best final product, and you know, I think we made him sound a little tougher and meaner. And he he delivered the he had the presence and the look, and it was it was fantastic. But um, we just sort of beefed it up even a, a little bit more. So. All right, now you mentioned a small crew, and now I'm starting to imagine you had more people in front of the camera than behind it. So how, how many people did you have crew in? these shoots um so i'll say our full-time crew is in the people that showed up every single day we had three it was me greg and our makeup artist caitlin and then we did have um you know four or five other part-time people who would come in every once in a while um greg's brother helped us out on a number of days uh shooting sort of the bad guy stuff and then um another friend of ours named ed he came in and uh, he recorded all the dialogue and helped out just producer type stuff, you know, extra set of hands, helped set up lighting and stuff for the bigger days. But for just sort of day to day, like a everything or, you know, like a typical day, I'll say, sorry, is Greg, myself, Caitlin, our makeup artist and Natalie, the lead. And it was just four of us, you know, for like the evening. We just go around and shoot the stuff. Running lane, baby. Mm-hmm. So when you had a killer on set would you have everybody there or would you in particular know like we need you two today yeah we so like we try to stack up the the scenes so that when we had a number of killers we try to accomplish you know as many scenes as we could that needed multiple people um and then if we just needed one person we did sort of have a stunt double um people every once in a while just where it was like it wasn't worth bringing the actor all the way back in to walk by in the background or, or do whatever um something small so yeah a lot of it was just or for that stuff we just stunt double and put somebody else in the costume our associate producer ed he actually doubled for one of the guys who was on the forklift scene the guy that's on the forklift um and he fell asleep during the shooting of it um of course he's in mask and everything like that and so we don't know he's asleep and we wrapped it and you know there's people like going all around him and everything and um but we finished shooting, wrapped it, started tearing down the, the lights and the equipment and stuff. And, and he's still sitting on the forklift. And um, <laughs> and we were like, Ed, we're done. Nothing. And we're like, did he have like a problem? Or Greg's, I think he fell asleep. I'm like, oh, okay. So went over and started taking the tape off his hands because his hands were taped to the steering wheel. And he like jerked awake. He was like, oh, oh, hey, oh, I think I must have fell asleep for a second there. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. 
yeah, I think must have. But we teased him about it for the rest of the shoot. He fell asleep taped to a forklift. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it remained still, so I guess he just. God yeah. Damn. I bet that was a good nap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He played the part very well. Method acting. <laughs> God damn. You got something? No, we just need to wind down. Here. Okay. Okay. Well, um, everybody should go watch Hunter Killer. I think it's a fantastic film. And uh, I am a slasher fan. It's definitely worth the rewatch. I, I wanted to spoil this damn thing because there's some of the third act stuff I'd like to get into. But um, if anybody watches it, uh, DM me. We'll talk about it. Now, you guys have another movie that you made in. It came out when 2006, Five Across the Eyes. What the yeah, hell happened in the, the 10 US. years in between? Uh, Ten, a lot of uh, math is bad. Oh, tr- yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's 15 years, year, you know, from one to the other coming out. Um, yeah, because it came out in 2008, but in the U.S. But um, yeah, it was just a lot of attempting to get projects off the ground and we'd get so far and, you know, trying to raise money and stuff like that. And then it would fall through and then we'd try to get something else off the ground and fall through. And, and then, um, like we tried to even go like sort of studio route and pitch some projects, um, and got some interest, but not enough to get anything made. And so, uh, then we decided we need to make something on our own again, if we were going to do anything. And so we tried that with a different project, not with Hunter killer. And that project also failed. Um, and so that's when we finally looked at the factory and we're like, we should make something there. And so that's, and that one we, we were able to pull off, you know, we only needed one other person full time. So <laughs> it worked out. Now, Greg, did you write with that in mind? You're like, we're going to do this with one lead. Yes. <laughs> we had another movie where we had that kind of similar idea. And that was one that we had worked on and pushed and had some interest. And it just kind of kept falling through. A lot of stuff is like, so we had something, some scene that was like, just deemed too too extreme but it was always like very crucial to the whole plot or to everything it's like yeah but if you don't have that then this is just what what is this even going on and and we get it wasn't just like people who you know from producers or a production company you'd get it from if you're just going to try to make it on your own then local actors kind of like uh what what is this you know um yeah we had that that was our previous project had some you have a lot of uh, just trying to get people. And then you find out, like, yeah, do you watch this show? And they're like, okay, it's no worse than what's on it. Yeah, but now I guess it's like them doing it. So, you know, and it's, it's not to get specific or anything. It's just, you know, stuff you see in other movies. But it's just yeah. like when you don't, you're not around a lot of professional actors or people who are really, really dead set on becoming a professional actor. Um around here you just don't have as much uh i guess a willing talent pool to try things that so that that, yeah, that hurts a little bit too yes it, it's interesting have you guys ever thought about doing a found footage movie oh boy it's really a good platform for the oh greg don't give me that look now here's the <laughs> thing we we are we do run a um purely in-world camera film fest so, you know, you'd always have a home with us, but you know, it, it that kind of, um, what's the, what's the nice way to put it? The authenticity behind a non-actor can really be a benefit. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say, I think your movie kind of, um, you tapped into that 
And I keep talking about post-scream slashers. One of the hallmarks of those movies is like upper middle class protagonist. And they're always running around these giant houses and shit. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, I feel like Halloween felt kind of like that could be anybody. But still, you're in like a suburb. But with like Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer, you're like, these people got money. And yet in your film, I th- I kind of thought that was the whole goal behind it. Was This is kind of the nightmare of a new job. And it can really happen to anybody. So I, I don't know. I felt like that kind of um, informed your movie in a very like authentic way. Like, I think if you had a bunch of super pretty people populating this warehouse, it would have just been like, shut up. <laughs> like, I'm not buying this for a minute. And like, Karen's pretty, but she looks like somebody you might work with at a warehouse. Like, you know, maybe yeah. she's moonlighting on Instagram as a model or something, but you wouldn't know. And uh, I don't know, man, it felt very real. I think you guys made something really cool here. And uh, I, sure. I hope, I hope uh, whatever production hell you've had before isn't going to deter you from doing another one. No, we're yeah. we're working. Hopefully, we'll yeah. get. I mean, we're got a couple irons in the fire. We'll say so far. I can't really get into anything, but hopefully, we'll we'll get cracking on something again here shortly. We'll All see. Right. Ryan's not giving me shit. Greg, what are you working <laughs> on? What are you writing? <laughs> Tell us. We'll block him. He won't be able to hear it. <laughs> You're there, going murder a, porn, huh? <laughs> there, are, there are several projects, and so that we've had all along. So now it's like revisiting some of those, and um, one of them does have a found footage kind of feel to it. So, Ooh. so you might, yeah, might. Uh, of course, you mentioned again. how we, yeah, you mentioned how we shot. I guess how our movie looked, and I, my biggest issue with found footage is just a lot of times they almost it's like they hate cinematography or something. I don't know. Like it just yeah. looks. And so I think if we did a found footage, we definitely want it to like, there's no reason why you can't hold the camera still and why no. the, you can't, why the lighting Ryan. can't I mean, be natural, <laughs> but not look like garbage. <laughs> sure. But again, it goes back to the old adage is you can't break the rules until you know the rules. Yeah. So it's all part of it. Yeah. On, Ryan, we could hit you with the list. There's a lot of um, very aesthetically pleasing found footage films. Here, I'll tell you one that is very light horror, but um, just the cinematography is kind of like, uh, it'll make your palms sweat. It's called Bass. It's about a bass jumper. And um, it's not what you would traditionally think. It's more of a love triangle, kind of like, it's got a foreign film vibe to it. And, um, but it's a horror movie. And that thing is beautifully shot, even though it's all like what probably GoPro helmet cam, but you could do a lot. And I think, I think y'all have a cool, like this Tennessee vibe, like Greg, do you have a little bit of an accent there? I felt like I was picking it up. Yeah, probably. See, And it comes out through, comes through more, more and more. All right. Well, we got to get Greg. We got to get, especially when I say heel. (laughs) So my wife always makes fun of me. Heel. Like you go well, up when on you're that heel, wrestling together. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I say it. And like, no, you get up on that heel. <laughs> my uh, oh, my dad like... would say leg instead of leg. It's leg egg. <laughs> yep. I like it. Yeah, it'd be kind of awkward if you're working at the furniture store, the warehouse that only builds table legs. <laughs> table <Yeah>. legs. <laughs> legs. <laughs> hey, um, y'all are great. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us. I, I think you got a, a cool movie here and I really, I want to 
I want to be clear. Don't be deterred by like your fucking letterbox or anything. These are all people who think they're the gods of cinema. Who want to stay off the internet? Them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, Greg's been doing it. He didn't know what a Karen was. <laughs> yeah, true. Hey, but you know what? I feel like all that shit turned into lemonade at the end. Oh yeah. Like in no, I mean, me and Clark, we met in a fucking warehouse. How many times were people like, "We should film a horror movie here," and I kept thinking, "What would that even look like?" What kind of hack ghost hunter shit? How boring would it be? All the lights are on timers. It would yeah, never but there, work. But there were no cool. There was no cool uh, equipment uh, at our warehouse no. as we were. Uh, it was a warehouse for ladies' clothing. <laughs> <laughs> so our options are far more limited. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know, y'all. You did something I, I wasn't sure that could be done, and um, I don't know. I just hope y'all can. Uh, you just need to hear that. Y'all are fantastic. I love you guys. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, fellas. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.